Welcome to Breaking Through. I'm Madeline Bell, President and CEO of Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and I'm bringing you this podcast from the Seacrest Studios at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. In today's episode, I'm going to introduce you to Dr. Yoav Dori. Dr. Dori is Director of Pediatric Lymphatic Imaging Interventions and Lymphatic Research at CHOP. Dr. Dori is a pioneer in an entirely new field of medicine that focuses on treating lymphatic disorders. The lymphatic system is something we all have in our bodies, but very little is known about it. Dr. Dory and his team have sought to understand the lymphatic system, and they've developed advanced technologies to map out and treat life-threatening diseases of the lymphatic system. This is truly pioneering work, and I'm so pleased that Dr. Dory is here today to tell you more about it. First, for our listeners who may not know exactly, Dr. Dory, what is the lymphatic system? There are three systems in the body that are there in order to handle fluid flow. There is the blood system, which we're all familiar with, which has the heart as part of it and the arteries and the veins. And the heart pumps the blood into the tissue through the arteries. And then the veins collect that fluid from the tissue after the blood gives off oxygen and nutrients for the tissues to survive. Some of that fluid is left over inside the tissue. Somehow that fluid has to get back into the veins in order for it to go back to the heart and continue to go around and around and around. And that's where the lymphatic system comes into play. So it is also a circulatory system. So everywhere that there is a blood pipe, right next to it, there is a lymphatic pipe. But they work a little bit differently. The blood pipes are closed pipes and they allow blood to go through them and then they collect the blood from the other side after it goes through the tissue. The lymphatic system are initially what we think of as open pipes. So pipes with a lot of pores in them And I kind of think of it as like a sponge. So it absorbs or collects this fluid, returns it to small pipes, then then pass the fluid into larger and larger pipes. The fluid ultimately makes its way to the largest pipe for lymph flow called the thoracic duct. And from there, it gets dumped back into the blood circulatory system so it can then start going around and around and around. So I kind of think of it a little bit distinct from the cardiovascular system, which is circulatory, it goes around and around and around. The lymph system is more of an open system, it collects the fluid and then just dumps it out. And that's how it functions, but it works together in concert with the cardiovascular system and they have very important implications to each other. So as a pediatric cardiologist, how did you get interested in focusing on the lymphatic system in your work? As a pediatric cardiologist, I was taking care of a few patients who had diseases that back then we didn't know that they were specifically related to lymphatics, but they were deadly diseases at the time. And I had a specific patient with a disease called prostobronchitis where they spill lymph into their airway and we didn't have anything to do for them. We had no solutions for them. It was a fatal disease and I started reading about it and there were some things in the literature that mentioned lymph system. And then I started reading about that and I found that there was not much known about it. I was here, we were lucky, we were part of the UPenn system and the CHOP system, and there was, there's been pioneering work that has been done in the discovery of treatments for lymphatic disorders by a known interventional radiologist at HUP. His name was uh, Constantine Cope, who unfortunately passed away not too long ago. But he developed the notion that you can access the system and do interventions on it. And so that's how we started. We started looking, and the first thing we did is we started developing ways to just image the system. The system, until we got into this, was known as the 
forgotten circulation because there was no easy way to look at it, no easy way to do anything about it. So people said, well, let's just ignore it and we'll see what happens. When I started my training, I trained in both interventional cardiology, but also in MRI. So I was familiar with how to do imaging. And then we started to look into what we could do to use magnetic resonance imaging to look into lymphatic channels. And that really is what has changed everything that we understand because for the first time after we developed a certain technique, we could see not only what is occurring inside the lymphatic channels, so see the anatomy of the lymphatic ducts, but also see how the fluid inside the lymphatic ducts is flowing. And that really opened the world because if you're dealing with a circulatory system, you have to understand not just how it's built, you have to understand how the fluid is getting around in there and also understand what is going on in there as far as pressures go and as far as the components of the fluid. So that is kind of what broke the whole thing open. Wow, that sounds pretty exciting. So children travel from all over the country, really all over the world, to see you for this intervention. And I'm wondering if you could share with us maybe one or two patient stories that have really been transformational for you in some way. With your help and the help of the hospital, we established really kind of the first place in the world that called this an organ system and developed a program to take care of kids and adults who have disorders with the lymph circulatory flow. And it is true, we do see patients from all around the world now who come specifically for these kind of treatments. I can perhaps talk about two patients that I remember well. We'll start maybe with one girl whose name was Gracie. She was a girl that came to us from Arizona. And the interesting thing about her story, so she was a child who does have heart disease, who needed a surgery to fix it. And she started leaking fluid out of her lymphatic channels into her chest shortly after the surgery. And so they went in and they shut down the main channel for lymph flow, and she developed a complication called protein-losing enteropathy. So these kids, what happens in them is they lose lymph fluid into the intestine, and then it comes out. So they lose a lot of proteins, and after a while, they start to look like kids who are starving. So they are malnourished because they're losing a lot of protein, and they have many other problems. She had a severe form of this disease, and she was taken care of at the time by a collaborator of ours and one of the pioneers of lymphatic circulatory system. Her name is Marlies Witte, who was a, a wife of a surgeon, a medical doctor who is currently in Arizona. Back in the 50s and 60s, when they were studying the lymph circulatory system, she and her husband were pioneers in this field, and Gracie was her patient. And despite the knowledge, the largest knowledge in the world that she had about how to treat these disorders, she did not have anything to offer Gracie. And Gracie, at the time, was on palliative care. They did not know what to do with her. She was not doing very well. So she called us and asked us, after she saw what we were doing and started developing uh, procedures for these kids, she called us and asked us if we would take a look and see if there was something that we could offer her. Gracie came over here from Arizona. When she got to us, she was extremely sick and she looked exactly like a starving kid. She was very thin in her arms and, sh and legs and she had a huge belly and really couldn't get out of the hospital. We did imaging of her central lymphatic system using the techniques that we developed over here and immediately saw what the problem was and how in her protein losing enteropathy occurred. We talked to the parents and we said we think we have something that we could potentially treat and they said you know there's no, there's no real choice so go ahead. So we did a procedure on her within about a week when she came to us her 
albumin was very low. Normal albumin would be 3.5. Hers was around 1. She was losing electrolytes, so she was on very high concentrated supplements of electrolytes just in order to keep her alive. Within a week of the procedure, we were able to take her off all of her supplements. Her albumin level completely normalized, and she just continued to improve since then. And this procedure was done on her about five years ago. We recently got some pictures from her mother. She always wanted to be a ballerina, and she's that now. She's a healthy little girl. She goes to school, and she's doing very well. That's an amazing story. So based on everything that you've done, it seems like there have been so many breakthroughs. Can you tell me about a breakthrough moment for you in your career? I would have to say there's probably three of them that I should talk about. I think the first breakthrough, like I said, this was known as the forgotten third circulation because we didn't really have a good way to look at this. We didn't have a good way to do anything about this. We needed something in order to to change this field from a unknown field to a field of medicine, you have to have a diagnostic tool that will allow you to see what is going on. So you can make diagnosis, you can determine what the diseases are. And I would say the first breakthrough was the development of the MRI method, which we call dynamic contrast MR lymphangiography, that allowed us to see everything. And we did the initial experiments and immediately started doing this in people and it just worked. Usually it doesn't work that quickly, but it just worked very quickly. And with the spectacular MRI team that we have over here, we're able to implement this in our patients very quickly and started to see all these great things. A second breakthrough was the first patient that we ever treated, and his name was Finley, Jameson Finley. And this was another one of those kids who had one of these diseases. He had a disease called plaster bronchitis, kind of like protein-losing enteropathy. They lose lymph fluid, but instead of into the intestine, they lose lymph fluid into the airway. When lymph fluid spills into the airway, it forms something that looks like plastic. That's why it's called plastic bronchitis. The airway fills with this stuff. Kids who can't cough it up will choke because of this. And this child had this disease. He had a very bad disease. His airway was filling with these plastic things once or twice a day. And back then, there was no option for these kids. So a lot of them didn't do very well. His parents learned about what we were doing from the internet, they called us. And we, at the time, never treated anybody with any of these kind of diseases. And we told them, listen, we have something. We have the imaging method. But we've never treated anything, but we're willing to try. So they came to us from Texas. And we were very honest with them about what we knew and what we didn't know. And again, we took him to the lab. We did imaging. And and that was one of those aha moments of a disease that we didn't know anything about. And we just looked at the imaging. We said, wow, you know, this is exactly what is going on over there. And he was lucky. He had a certain form of the disease that he had one lymphatic channel in his body that was causing the entire problem. And so we went out, we talked to the parents, we said, listen, we think we can treat this. And the parents said, sure, go ahead. And, and so we did it, we got into his lymphatic ducts. We got into that one channel and we shut it down. And that was about five years ago also. This child who was sick, he was on palliative care when he got to us, stopped coughing up these things immediately after that and is doing wonderfully ever since then. He plays baseball and he plays soccer. So you've had so many accomplishments. What's next for your research? So our research and clinical efforts are currently focusing on three areas, but continue to expand. Thanks to your work and the work of the hospital and the support of the hospital, we were awarded Frontier funding that was designated for programs that are innovative programs to develop new treatments for new diseases. That Frontier funding has gone to develop a lymphatic-based treatment for heart failure. So it turns out that lymph 
dysfunction or limb failure is a very important cause of symptoms in not just kids with heart failure, but adults with congestive heart failure. And that is one of the biggest problems in the world right now, right up there with cancer. And so we have a laboratory that is specifically designed to develop devices and develop potentially medications that will specifically target lymphatic failure in these patients. Since then, we've gotten two other big diseases. I mean, if you're starting with one of the biggest diseases in the world, might as well go to the other one. We've started working with our oncologist, and I know that you had a podcast with uh, Steve Grubb and his group and David Barrett, and they have been the pioneers of CAR T-cell therapy. It turns out that lymph fluid has very unique properties and a very unique cell population in it, and there's a very interesting potential for cancer therapeutics based on lymph fluid. We know that cancers travel inside lymphatic channels, and uh, when we look for cancer metastasis, we always look to see if cancers are inside lymph nodes. And there's a reason why that probably happens. So we've now gotten into that and we're investing a lot of research into developing new potential cancer-based therapeutics. We've also, together with one of our geneticists over here, Dr. Hakunarsan, who's head of the Genetics Institute, have started looking at the causes of some of the primary lymphatic disorders and secondary lymphatic disorders. And again, thanks to his great work, we've been lucky and have found uh, several new gene defects that cause lymphatic abnormalities. And we were in some ways hit the jackpot and we've been hitting it kind of again and again and again. But we're able to not just find the gene defect for certain diseases, but we're also able to show that a certain medicine that we didn't know could do anything for it was actually potentially curative. And Dr. Hakunarsen took these gene defects, created fish with these gene defects, was able to give these fish the medication and the fish were cured. And we did the same thing with a child that we had that we didn't have any options and we gave him the medicine and his lymph system completely remodeled, kind of like fish. And we didn't know that that could even happen and that story is going to come out in Nature Medicine hopefully soon. So it's a really big story for, for anybody with lymphatic uh, flow disorders. Since then, we've started branching. There's Marley's Witty a long time ago came up with a, a notion of what's called medical ignorance. And she runs the Ignorance University, uh, which I am part of. I'm the board of the Virtual Ignorance <laughs> University, which just says that, you know, the more we ask questions, the more we'll figure out that we don't know. And the more we know, the more we increase the border with the unknown. The more we ask questions and the more we've discovered, the more we figured out that there's more questions to ask. And that's what we continue to do. So we now have collaborators in the GI department, in the pathology department, in the PICU, dealing with diseases like ARDS. And there's probably many diseases that we didn't know before that lymph system is playing a central role in. And at some point, hopefully, we'll explore all of them. Well, it sounds like many more breakthroughs to come, and unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. Dr. Dory, thank you so much for joining me. To learn more about the Center for Lymphatic Imaging and Interventions at CHOP, please go to chop.edu lymphatics. And to learn more about how you can be part of tomorrow's breakthroughs at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, visit chop.edu giving. At CHOP, we make breakthroughs every day. I'm Madeline Bell, and thank you for listening. 